Genre. Back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we gently set down Spider-Man 2, <laughs> one crowd surfing minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Zach Luna. And I'm Mark Chinacchio from Amazing Spider Talk and author of 100 Things Spider-Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Hey! Welcome, Mark. Thanks for uh, stopping by the show. Hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about Spider-Man 2 in 60 second increments. <laughs> absolutely you seem well qualified yeah <laughs> you came to the right place uh, excellent so today we are talking about minute 101 which starts with the passengers catching peter by his puffy chest uh and <laughs> and ends with peter realizing that he his mask is missing yeah um and everybody's looking at him uh i've had nightmares <laughs> like that um <laughs> So, so right off the bat, we have to talk about my, my biggest, probably my biggest pet peeve in this whole movie. And it's been my pet peeve since the very, very first time I saw this in theaters in 2004 <laughs> when they catch him. And it's as if his chest is made of pillows. Uh, because it kind of is. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. That, that foam chest is not, that is not fooling anybody. Um, and I just, I just have to ask, like. Uh, if you're making this movie, like I understand that that you want the the puffy muscles for for you know because you you want that that shape for the, uh, the silhouette. What do you and what, what do you call it, uh, Zach? The uh, the uh, outline sort of yeah, the, the silhouette. silhouette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want yeah. that silhouette, that sort of muscular silhouette, and and Tobey Maguire wasn't going to be able to pull that off without some help, and that's that's mm-hmm. fine. That's yeah. totally fine. I get that. It's movies, whatever. But when you're shooting a close up of people grabbing his chest, maybe, maybe take the foam padding off. Maybe. Because <laughs> that's not how muscles work. <laughs> it's just not how muscles work. Or even have like a, like a more, um, like a, a thicker type of uh, cast padding. Because the, the muscles on here are, are foam latex because it's, it's light and it's breathable. It's very stretchy. It's, you know, like a It's like go-to. the Nutty Professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a go-to for this type for this type of stuff. But it doesn't. If you push into it, it's gonna squish. That's what it's for. But you could have used like a like a urethane rubber or something that might have at least not just poofed in like a pillow there. Um, yeah. There, there are other options besides. Yeah, we'll just do a close-up on this. Uh, <laughs> Every time I see this, I'm just like, do. Am I weird that I want to like kind of curl up and take a nap on Tobey Maguire? That's <laughs> kind of what I feel like doing right now. It's like- you're simultaneously so muscular and doughy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just looks really comfy. Um, I yeah, I don't know, but uh, 
I, but, <laughs> but as far as this moment, this moment is concerned, like the, 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 the passengers catching him and, and mm-hmm. bringing him in. I mean, it's just, it's a really powerful moment. I mean, we talked about the theme of, yeah, in, in Friday's minute, we talked about the theme of, um, you know, this movie being, yeah, of this, this movie's theme being, you know, it's easy to say that with great power comes great responsibility. It's easy to say that, uh, it's not so easy to actually live that. And that's sort of what the theme of this movie is. And, and, you know, in many ways, Peter has said that he he wants this life, that this is his philosophy that he's going to live by, but he's finding it much harder to deal with uh, in this movie. And and that's what that whole train sequence was about. It was sort of like a metaphor for how hard it is to be Spider-Man. You know, like he's mm. got the weight of the world on his shoulders, but you have to endure it because that's that's the whole point of great power comes great responsibility. But in this moment, we have the other big theme in this movie that we've been sort of hinting at the whole, the whole movie, but we haven't, we don't start getting the payoff until now. This is kind of the first moment that we really, well, we got, I guess we got sort of the beginning of this with, with aunt may and, and sharing the burden of, of his guilt for Mm -hmm. the death of uncle Ben with, with aunt may by, by telling her about it and, you know, sharing that his guilt for that moment. Um, with her. And so we have that theme of sharing the burden and yes. now we're getting it uh, a little bit more here, like a, li- a little more, um, apparent with all of these New Yorkers sort of sharing the burden of being Spider-Man with him in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later we'll really come all the way home with it, uh, with Mary Jane, uh, sharing yes. the burden of, of Peter being Spider-Man, but by literally being part of his team. But here we have just right. like a a nice visualization of the concept. Like I, I, I can understand some people who think bits like this are a bit too on the nose. Um, but I, I don't think I've run into too many of them. Like mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, this is a very powerful sequence. The idea of he's given his all and he passed out and then they catch him and then gently, carefully, reverently set him back down. The, the respect that these people have for the man that, did all this for for him it's it's the the continuation of the thread from the first film with the new yorkers on the bridge right right but at the same token i feel like when talking to other people i feel that this 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 sequence also is very polarizing for some people Mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of how new yorkers respond to him Mm -hmm. um i disagree with the uh, i I agree with you guys and then i disagree (laughs) with the opposing viewpoint but uh but i mean because like this is probably one of my favorite parts of this movie but yeah a, a movie i love a lot um but I mean, what, what I mean, what do you think about that in terms of just, I guess, the other end of it is, you know, Spider-Man, he's this masked menace. No one trusts him. I mean, should they should they be treating him so reverently? I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie seems to present other than that, that montage in the first film where we're sort of like, you know, hearing the the varied viewpoints of New Yorkers uh, in the first he film. He stinks and I don't like him. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other than that moment, in general, it, these movies seem to paint the picture that the Daily Bugle hates Spider-Man. And in, in, in <laughs> you know, and mostly J. Jonah Jameson hates Spider-Man uh, mm-hmm. for reasons that aren't really apparent. Um, but he <laughs> hates him. And it's doesn't seem like that really connects with the rest of New York. It seems like the rest of the New of New York, you know, kind of like him uh, for the mm-hmm. most part. 
Um, I mean, that one guy thinks he stole that guy's pizzas, but like other than him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it, it it really does seem like Sam Raimi is painting uh, New York in a sort of Richard Donner's Superman paintbrush, you know? Right. Yeah. These are the metropolis citizens who care about superhero, about Superman. I mean, um, right. For me, there's also a sort of level here with this sequence and in the first film with the the uh, New Yorkers on the bridge. More so here, I think it's sort of a almost metatextual moment where we we agree when we're reading Spider-Man comics that for the sake of the character's you know theme working properly, he has to be a bit of an underdog in terms of life is always getting him down and beating up on him and things don't go his way and the newspapers don't like him. Like that's part and parcel with the character for the most part. Um, But he is the most popular superhero in the world in terms of readership. So there is this thing here in these moments where it's almost like we've had an entire movie of life being rough on Spider-Man. And we have this moment that sort of breaks through about how much the character means to people, how much they they love him where in in universe he can't always be popular but in the hearts of the people that he touches he's very very popular so having these moments of it sort of externalized in terms of these people picking him up and moving along and caring and not revealing a secret that works for me because it feels like the movie is not quite literalizing but almost literalizing the way that we as an audience feel about peter this is the moment where he looks at the audience and we look back at him um and it's pretty cool yeah i like that i like that uh i like that yeah yeah it's good um, appreciate it <laughs> very <laughs> profound <laughs> yeah yeah uh so uh my first my first thought um upon them <laughs> they're 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 sort of you know surfing him across themselves uh, yes. over to you know back inside the inside the train and, uh, you know, they're like, set him down, uh, gently, gently, you know, and as they're <laughs> setting him down, all I, all I could think was just like, oh, don't, don't do that. That the floor is filthy. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's disgusting. Don't do that. <laughs> well, you can't, you know, they can't put him in a chair. He'll just like slump over. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, I know. It's just, man. Gross. Uh, yeah. Even when, oh. uh, New York, uh, in a movie, when a subway train is getting attacked, they're not going to like give up their seat for spider-man it's just no of course not you know? <laughs> those are hard won spots on this train they yeah. they don't even try to like uh exit the vehicle and like uh <laughs> get out of the dangerous situation it's no i got these seats we're we're gonna <laughs> yeah. really commit to them yeah put, um, put them down put them down on the floor but but right. gently gently <laughs> <laughs> as we uh <laughs> As we know from last week, the, the first people that catch him are Philomar and Bill Calvert. Um, and then very briefly, uh, as he's first sort of being, you know, picked up by folks and, and put forward, there's a there's a brunette woman there. And that is, um, uh, oh, I've forgotten her name already. Uh, Jill Sayer. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and she has worked with Sam Raimi on A Simple Plan back in the day as uh, the hospital nurse. And he brought her back for this. Um, she also played a Bajoran woman named Marda in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I'm not familiar with at all, and mostly works in voiceover. I, this whole week is going to be peppered with, I guess, little moments of, hey, here's a friend of Sam Raimi's, or here's a person that was put into the sequence because this is the most overt, um, important 
crowd moment in the film. And so this is where they put in a lot of their little little cameo moments. Yeah. Like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so he's on the ground and uh, we have this guy in the vest. This uh, mm-hmm. very, very, uh, you know, blue collar workman kind of looking guy. Um, <laughs> he uh, he says uh, he's just a kid. And all I can just think, I just, all, like, I'm writing my notes for this, and I'm just like, he's just a kid, a 30 year old kid <laughs> with kids of his own. And he's just, he's a newborn 30 year old man. <laughs> he's so he's innocent. He's so young. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, not for nothing, but, you know, Vest Guy, his name's Peter Alice, by the way. Uh, Vest Guy looks oldish, but I don't think he would have a son. Toby Maguire's age. No, I don't buy that no at all. Way. <laughs> he was born when I was eleven. <laughs> yeah. There were very unique circumstances. <laughs> I started early, up top. <laughs> Time and place, buddy. Time and place. Okay. So I was just, you know, you gotta brag when it's there, you know. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. But I do love that. I mean, it. It. it it's the thing that. Um, it's it's I mean it's the it's the it really sticks out like a sore thumb that line like I I appreciate mm. what it's meant to represent you know mm-hmm. it just doesn't play because Tobey Maguire is like thirty five years old he looks like yeah. a full adult it, it, yeah. it, it and, would work it would work much better if it's Tom Holland there yes like, yeah. oh totally yeah. oh absolutely and it, but it, and the funny thing is it's like Toby doesn't even always look this old he just looks especially <laughs> old in this scene for whatever reason. <laughs> Uh, it, uh, you know, I don't know whatever the makeup was that they, they give him because of, uh, straining just a second ago, yeah. um, whatever that process was, uh, in the makeup chair, it makes him look older than he does in the rest of the movie. Well, they yeah. say a, pill- a pillowy chest adds what about five to 10 years or yeah, yes, I, I think so. so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I do. He's no older than my son with his pillowy chest. Uh, <laughs> It's gonna make me think about my my effect on the world here. Um, I do like the way that that line lands, though. I mean, it, even though it the effect of it is ridiculous, I like the intent behind it, and I like the um, the way it's shot with him and everybody just sort of gazing at him in awe. Um, I think Peter Alice does a good job with that. He's um, he's one of those character actors, a new, good New Yorker type that's got everything. A lot of cops and mobsters. Um, he was on Seinfeld and SWAT and NYPD Blue, Sopranos. Um, he, some people might recognize him as Officer Sims from Encino Man, the 1992 movie where Brendan Fraser played an unfrozen caveman and, and Polly Shore and Sean Astin help him become the coolest kid in high school. It's maybe the most 90s movie ever, <laughs> uh, but he was the cop in that. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that that's really back. Has, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 1992. Um, he does have this like great sort of overt decency to him there, which I really kind of like um, mm-hmm. with this. It's just a kid moment. And the, and the music helps like as much as Toby looks old, I buy into this moment because of his performance and the music, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, this, the music in this whole, all this week and last week has just been like some of the best Danny Elfman stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Period. It's almost almost Star Warsy at times. Not right yeah. now, but like uh earlier during the tense bits. Uh here yeah. it's just sort of this beautiful, respectful, reverent tone. Um I don't know, I like this is this is the moment I think about when I think of Spider Man two. 
is him being carried over the people on the way down. Um, yeah. And there's I there's something really funny about uh this advertisement for the original Whopper um in the, <laughs> in the POV shot. I just now is not the time Burger King. Now is not the time. <laughs> it's always the time. <laughs> oh, it's unnerving the POV shot. Just a bunch of strangers just looking at you. Yeah. You got to deal with that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, like I said, there I've had I've had nightmares uh mm-hmm. much well, like well, that. Well, the stranger that stands out to me, I think you mentioned this was uh, Jill Sayer or however. I mean, because she's mm-hmm. she's the one holding the the rag of blankets that's meant to be a baby, right? Oh, no. So that's she's blonde. Jill Sayer was the brunette from earlier. Uh, that's oh, okay. Brianna Brown, the, the oh. blonde one. Uh, OK. She kinda, yeah. She is very, very lovingly stroking a bundle of baby <laughs> blankets again. This is a recurring yeah. theme in these movies where we'll just. We'll have a fake baby and just really wrap it up in blankets, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, again, like it, she was just on a subway that was attacked by, you know, a man with four mechanical arms and mm-hmm. what have you. And yet she's just holding this rag of blankets, like you said, very tightly. It's very neat. And I was just like, this doesn't look like it's been through a struggle at all. I'm just, really, that baby's not even crying. What is going on here? Uh, yeah. That, what a well-behaved child. That's not- <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what's gonna. You, but you know what that means for the future of her parenting is that like that kid is only going to be asleep when it's on a train being attacked by a man with mechanical oh, arms. Oh, no, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've uh, classically conditioned it. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not good. Um, I think my my favorite extra might be uh, the guy that is in front of. Like, it's easy to to not see him because we're so focused on the guy that's saying. Uh, you know, he's, he, just, he's a just a kid. Uh, mm. But the guy in front of him wearing the hat that says 1945 is <laughs> the stare that he's giving Peter is just like he like I, I can't even describe what he's doing. It's just so he's just in shock, complete yeah. shock. He is really focused in his like uh, overt lack of believing anything that's happened. He's just yeah. <gasps> big old eyes yeah unfortunately he's not <laughs> he's not one of the credited train passengers we have like a mix in here of you know about yeah half dozen or so people that are credited usually the ones that have lines like phil lamar or um uh, who's the other one from from yesterday peter alice today but this guy i as far as i know uh hat boy 1945 hat boy might be uh this guy named Michael Kilcullen, but he doesn't have any photos up on his IMDb, so it's kind of impossible. There is a, I could maybe on at the end of 103 like list some of the the people whose names are up but don't have any photos, but that might just be useless. At any rate, I like his commitment and I respect it. <laughs> it's just. Do you do you know anything about this uh, this tall Swedish looking blonde guy? No, that's the other one. Like these, the, we basically have in the um, in the audience shots. We have a, a close-knit row, like maybe if you click to like 53 or so in it, um, the row of people in the front are all of the credited um, uh, passengers. So you have, let's see if I can run through them. We have Peter, uh, the he's just a kid guy, and then we have uh, Ricky G. Williams, the sort of avuncular black man that we'll talk about more tomorrow, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we have Bill Calvert from earlier, who was the fireman from uh, the first movie. Then we have Brianna Brown, who is the lady with the with the baby, and then we have the oh I've forgotten his name. Let me scroll back up. Um, the guy in the hat, the sort of older looking gentleman there, or on to the right of her, he was the blacksmith in um, uh, 
Army of Darkness. Right. Uh, right. What was his name? Timothy Patrick Quill. Right. right so right. that's where the like um, named passengers end in that little chunk there. And then everybody else around them is an uncredited extra. And so I think they just chose people with the most interesting faces to jump in there. And that I tried to find that blonde guy. Uh, I love his look. It's it's really fun. I think he might be Luke Bernier, Bernier, which is one of the uncredited ones. But that he again has no photos on his IMDb, so it was hard to hard to track mm. him down. We'll call him Luke. It's a good it's a good name. Extras, get your IMDb pages in order. Come on. I know, right? <laughs> we want to give you the shout outs. Like yeah. I spend hours every week. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, so we'll you got to serve Luke. the podcast folk, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I I absolutely love that that POV shot, though. It's so good. Ah, oh, it's um, beautiful. Them yeah. just looming over him. And what I love about it, too, is their, the, their expressions are just mm-hmm. so full of, like, it's like they, they are, they're all crushing on Tobey Maguire. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. the look on all their faces. They just have, like, this... You know, like dreamy eyes, like one of them is going to blink and their eyelids mm-hmm. are going to say love you on them. Um, <laughs> Indiana Jones style. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's sort of the um, the feel of it is the the tonal opposite. I don't know if there's a good word for that of the like the Tarantino shot. You know how the, the trunk shot Tarantino always has in movies oh, yeah. where like somebody opens a trunk and they're looking down like with murderous intent or whatever. This is it feels it's the same type of shot, but it is it reads a totally different meaning it's so warm and uh you know it's intrusive because oh god people are looking at me but they they care so much and i love it it's it's how i would look if i was one of these extras and oh my god spider-man yeah that's absolutely um so uh so so mark what 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 is your i i hesitate to ask because i feel like we're going to be here now for another hour um what is (laughs) what is your uh what is your history with spider-man as a character like when did you first fall in love with this character because you obviously uh have some strong feelings oh oh my goodness okay um i'll I'll try and give you the most abbreviated version possible um but uh yeah i i have been reading spider-man comics since i was um seven years old i bought my first issue which was amazing spider-man 296 off the spinner rack in 1987 and um yeah it was a spider-man doc cover so Obviously, <laughs> Spider-Man 2 was big for Doc Ock for me. And, um, you know, I was like on again, off again, buying Spider-Man comics as a kid. I mean, like you do. And then um, sometime around the time I was in my late teens, I was like, you know what? I, I want to get every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And I, I set out to do that. Um, I eventually started a blog about that called Chasing Amazing, where I talked about just kind of chronicled my adventures of collecting these comics and then also just talked about the comics themselves that in turn birthed the podcast that I do amazing spider talk because uh, one of my readers Dan Gavazdin who I believe was I don't I forget which minute he was on but I know he's he's talked to yeah, you guys right yes yeah he he's been on a couple of times yeah okay mm-hmm. um he he sought me out and and we from there we started you know we started our podcast first to talk about the new comics and then we we realized that in talking about the new comics we kind of weren't going back through the history of the sh- of the character and 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 the comics so that's where we're at now we're actually kind of rebranded a while ago and now we're in the Ramita Stanley era talking about the the books and stuff and like action figures and the cartoon and all that stuff 
And um, yeah, and also 2014, I got the last issue I needed of Amazing Spider-Man to complete the run. And wouldn't you know, it was Amazing Spider-Man number three, which is the first Doc Ock. So my first issue was a Doc Ock issue. My last one was a Doc Ock issue. Beautiful. Um, And then I wrote a book about Spider-Man. So that's 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 kind of the abbreviated. (laughs) So a lot of Spider-Man in my life for for totally. Yeah. How many years is that from 87 to 2014? I'm terrible at doing math on, on the air, but that's a long journey to complete a task. That's yeah, kind was, of incredible. Uh, 27 years, 27 wow. years to do it. So, wow. And, uh, you know, and, and, and a marriage that's still intact, thankfully, even though I was doing this. So. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was hard at points, guys. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, some of those books are expensive. Um, <laughs> just a bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, no, that's great. So, so tell people about uh, tell people about the book. What 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 is the book? Okay, so the book it came out uh, last summer. Actually, it's called um, "One Hundred Things Spider Man Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die." It's uh, published by uh, Triumph Books, which is an uh, independent publisher, and. Um, they do an entire series of these hundred things books. So, it, you know, it's mm. basically little factoids and trivia and things to do related to whatever the subject at hand is. And, uh, you know, so for Spider-Man, this book, we talk about the creators behind Spider-Man. We talk about the character, you know, the key characters, the key stories, uh, different thematic Spider-Man things to do. Like take the we have a chapter in there about taking this tour of the spider-man tour of new york city based on <gasps> things featured in the comics or featured in the movies uh you know things like that and um yeah it was it was a, it was a labor of love i mean it basically you know i was able to use a lot of the information that we unearthed on our podcast especially in talking with folks like tom defalco and jerry conway and wow, uh yeah. ron friends and you know basically all the all the great creators who have worked on the, on this character over the years. So, you know, plenty, plenty of research to be unearthed. And, um, it's, you know, it's just, it's just great to have something like that connected, you know, to be connected to something like that. I mean, you know, this was a hobby, uh, you know, a kid's thing for me and it, and it kind of became this, I want to say it's like my full-time job. It's not, but it's a nice side gig, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a good way to express myself. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, 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 wish, uh, I, w- I wish my uh, hobbies could be elevated to that level. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I don't know what the, what the silver bullet is to have that happen for you, but I, I, I'm, I'm very lucky that it, that it worked out that way. You know, I, I, I guess... You know, it's wonderful. It yeah. just it just did. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's fantastic. Uh, and where where can people uh, find the book? Um, I mean, they can get it any you know all the major online retailers. You can still get your copies of that. Um, you know, there's probably still some brick and mortar bookstores where, that are still carrying it, um, like a Barnes and Noble or something. You can probably find that there, or you can go directly to the um, the publisher's website, which is uh, triumphbooks.com. All right, awesome. awesome. Uh, All right. Well, uh, Mark, thanks so much. And uh, we'll we'll be back tomorrow to talk about uh, Minute 102. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.